Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash, like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, frequent panelist on Collider Movie Talk. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new playable vault hunters, each with deep-skilled trees, abilities, and customization. You've got all new characters, over a billion guns. You can play alone or with friends, and it's available September 13th. You can take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Again, mayhem is coming September 13th on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com. Rated M for Mature. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Stay little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
On another brand new episode of Collider Movie Talk, we're going to talk about this controversy going on here with the Crazy Rich Asian sequels and their co-screenwriter Adele Lim. And we're also going to break down whether we loved, hated, or needed another Black Christmas trailer and movie from Blumhouse Studios. Uh, uh, oh, whoa, the logo's doing its thing again. There we go. Collider Movie Talk. How are you? I'm your host, John Roca, filling in again for the lovely Perry Namaroff, who's up there, up north, watching a bunch of movies, and she'll be reporting back soon. Follow them. Follow us if you haven't followed us yet on Collider lighter video on Instagram and on Twitter. You'll see videos and, uh, and, and Insta stories there from people up there uh, at, uh, at Tiff from Collider. There you go. That's it. Got it all out. There you go. Good stuff. All right. We have a lot of fun talking about those two topics and a bit more and, and uh, of course answering some of your questions from the live chat as well today on Movie Talk. But riding shotgun with me are two amazing people. Aww. Let's meet them now. Eric Eisenberg, how are you, man? I am doing fantastic. I uh, kind of wish I was in the Great White North, but you know, <laughs> this is great also. This yes. is fantastic. So Thank you excited. for doing that's yeah, none of us believe you, but thank you. <laughs> Dorina, how are you? I am good. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be on Movie Talk with either Perry or John. Oh, there thank you. you. That's very kind of you. Well, Dorina, uh, let's take a, let's, let's tackle this first subject here. A Crazy Rich Asians sequels. This came out from the Hollywood Reporter. They have lost one of their co-screenwriters here, Adele Lim, and this is over a pay disparity. Now, this is a bit of a difficult uh, topic and conversation to have, but I thought it was necessary to put on Movie Talk for us to explore this situation. Uh, as I said, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting this. She uh, there, there was a she was there, she was offered lower money than her co-screenwriter Peter Chiarelli. Uh, there were no, she didn't provide specific figures, but sources say the Warner Brothers starting offers were eight hundred thousand to a million dollars for Chiarelli and one hundred and ten thousand plus for Lim. And remember. Crazy Rich Asians came out and blew the doors off the box office, really kind of elevated Asian representation in film and was a massive deal here. And Adele Lim was one of their screenwriters for this film, an Asian screenwriter. And this was her con- this was her comment uh, about this situation. Being evaluated that way, and she means the pay disparity, can't help but make you feel that they, that, that is how they view my contributions. Uh, and this is a Hollywood reporter uh, uh, adding to that saying, she believes that women and people of color often are regarded as quote-unquote soy sauce hired to sprinkle culturally specific details on a screenplay rather than credited with the substantive work of crafting the story. Now, complicating matters here was the fact that Lim had already uh, inked a first position contract with Disney Animation for four years, working on Raya and The Last Dragon. She had, she had had this issue with them, moved off, they went to look at other screenwriters, and then they came back to her, uh, Warner Brothers did, with a better offer, and it still wasn't enough. Eric, what is the uh, fallout from this and the optics on this situation? Uh, definitely not great. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- like, I mean, as you said, and to put a figure on it, this was a movie that made more than two hundred and thirty-eight million dollars yes. worldwide. Like for romantic comedy, at late August romantic comedy, that mm-hmm. is significant. That's huge. In this kind of situation, it's so common that it's just wonder. Like the studio will just say, "Bring back absolutely everybody because we want continuity. We want mm-hmm. the same people involved because they were the ones that contributed to the success. Bring them back in." And it's interesting. With the timeline of this situation, because uh, Keir Riley, uh, from what I understand, he was bef- before even director John Chu came on. Yes. he was the one who was adapting the first Crazy Rich mm-hmm. Asians. He was the first one to adopt the novel. Then, when John Chu came on, he brought Adele Lim with him, mm-hmm. and that is a situation where I'm like, okay, I mean, if he kind of laid the groundwork and he did the first draft of this sure. adaptation, Adele Lim came on and kind of added her flavor to it. That's something. 
This is a different situation, though. Right. This is a situation where you're making a sequel. You are starting from scratch. I mean, you have a novel that you're basing it on. Mm -hmm. But you are presumably going to get the same level of contribution. And the same level of contribution des deserves the same level of pay. That's that, how it works. That's a great point you make, Eric. They're starting from scratch. And they're doing two sequels back-to-back -back is mm -hmm. the plan. They're both basing them off novels. One's China Rich Girlfriend. The other one's called Rich People Problems. So they certainly have source material. They're working from scratch, starting. And, yes, maybe uh, Chiarelli laid the ground work, but certainly Adele Lim's contributions were essential to make this feel like an authentically Asian film, something that I think a lot of people of color have pushed to see in films that profile certain sections or minority uh, populations in this country when they get a chance to do leads or uh, in feature films. You look at this, uh, um, uh, Darina, how do you perceive this yourself as a woman of color, seeing these kinds of situations, seeing these opportunities, what does this do for you here? I mean, I think, uh, as right. Eric said, um, if you ha you want the same team uh, to do what you you know what they were successful at the first time. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you should be bringing back the same people if that was a success. This is interesting because, and we talked about this a little bit on Claire Live this morning, where you know I'm not exactly uh, well versed uh, in the you know how quotes are done for writers and how much they're paid specifically, right. right? And so I've heard that well, this is the quote that you're given dependent on how established you are as a writer, mm -hmm. right? And so I see that uh, uh, you know argument from one side to say, well, this is you know, this writer has written for TV and she has this experience, so she should get this type of money. Right. But at the same time, if that is the way things work in, in the writing community, then if you actually go by the, you know, how much you've written and what your experience is, yeah. it is true that a lot of people of color don't have the same opportunities, right? right? And so, and that's the issue there, right? There's there's no realistic way to achieve this true equity that we all want if you are, you know, if, if you're a TV writer because you're not giving the same opportunity mm -hmm. as uh, Chiarelli, is that how you yeah, say the Peter name? Chiarelli, right? Yeah, yeah as, as, as he has in other movies, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's what's interesting. It's like there should be a balance and you should look at both sides of the argument, but it is true that she hasn't had the same opportunities. And especially, like you said, John, if you are bringing what is actually going to make this movie authentic for people yeah. and their background, then that then she is a big contributor to mm -hmm. this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important. Yeah, And some people are like, well... He, did, he might have done a majority of the work, maybe, but it, to get that authenticity. I mean, this happened with Malcolm X, right? Spike Lee did not want Norman Jewison to direct that biopic. He's right. like, a black man should direct this. And sometimes that's correct. It doesn't mean across the board that's the way it should be. It's just sometimes that's correct. Like Forrest Whitaker did a fantastic job with Hope Floats. There's a black uh, director doing uh, handling a story between two white people. Yeah. That can happen both ways. But something as integral as something like Crazy Rich Asians, which was kind of like the goal was to accentuate and elevate Asian representation and show that it's just as equal. There are universal themes, universal experiences. And you take out and you have this problem with one of your – a – Asian to female screenwriters. It's such a massive mistake. And I'm and I don't want to cast aspersions here, but I wonder what John Chu's um, right. you know, role in this is. Sure. Why didn't he step forward a little harder? And it does sound like I mean there like there is a kind of he's a bit distracted because he's doing in the heights with right. Miranda well, well, right now, so like he's kind of busy on another project. It is honestly weird that he is not immediately working on this. It's kind of surprising that Warner Brothers didn't just immediately start working on this sequel. It like right. the, the, I think even the THR report highlights the fact that it's been kind of surprising to take a minute. But honestly, just another thing that, like, 
writers in general, I think, in this Hollywood, like, yeah. are so undervalued. Like, they, their contributions yes. are so huge. And, like, if you look at the number, like, you mentioned the numbers that they're paying. is like, it's a difference between 800,000 to, 800, 800, to 1 million yeah. versus 110,000. Like, in perspective of everything and the perspective of the budgets, like, that is very minimal. But yeah. also, at the same time, if you're looking at just the perspective of these two people, you're talking to eight to ten times yeah. paying more. Yes. That's a big difference. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's it's a lot a of money. It's a discrepancy. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Well, it's <laughs> shocking, isn't it, yeah. Dorina, now when you see all these prominent female actresses and, and, and p- female producers and directors and writers talking very openly about pay uh, mm-hmm. Disparity about mm-hmm. the the wage gap, and this is important uh, uh, to talk about and to highlight. And I find it shocking that in 2019, a major studio is willing to take this kind of PR hit yeah. on this franchise when people are pushing for more equality in pay. Yeah, and I mean, I think there should be a balance, right? Like we don't we talk about these uh, news items, and at the same time, mm-hmm. we don't specifically know what goes behind doors, closed doors, and and the negotiation room. And I, and I understand that, but we should also, you know, as much as we want to bring in talented people, regardless of their mm. their background and 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 what they look like, right? right. Uh, you do sometimes need people to actually bring an authenticity to your project, yeah, right. And and that's something that yes, you should have people that are talented, regardless of what they look like. But then you also need to not only bring people that are going to contribute to the project and make it authentic, but mm. also be. Uh, compensated as well as everybody else's in the right. team that you're working with. Yeah, I, w- I will also just say, like, I mean, you, you brought up the point that Chiarelli has more experience than Adrian. His experience, I mean, and this is not meant to like disparage him in any right. way, but his his one movie, he, he wrote the proposal that's with it. Sandra Bullock and yeah. Ryan Reynolds, and he developed the story for Now You See Me Too. Yeah, that's not that's not like he's out there winning Oscars and like and like putting out romantic comedies right. every yeah. single year. Like, it's not like he's a studio like go-to guy right. so I, I, I'm not even sure like necessarily you can even lean on that to a certain degree that's but, a great point yeah. he's not Nora Ephron for God's right, sake exactly. right. credibility in the romantic comedy world yeah. it is one of a number of Sandra Bullock romantic comedies not one that stands out as the greatest so you know it's not miscongeniality for God's sake but <laughs> you know uh, Peter, Peter Cairelli did offer and this is in the report as well he offered to split his fee uh, with Adele Lim. So Peter's not, uh, you know, Peter's not the, the bad guy in no. this situation. He was trying, sure. you know, because, I mean, you also have to fight for your piece of the pie. As a screenwriter, you got to get what you can get because, like, as Eric said, sometimes in Hollywood, they really do not treat you well yeah. no. as a writer. Uh, and certainly this is a situation as another example of this. But Adele uh, Lim turned down that option. She says, quote, Peter's been nothing but incredibly gracious, but what I make shouldn't be dependent on the generosity, generosity of the white guy writer. If I couldn't get pay equity, after CRA, uh, which is Crazy Rich Asians, I can't imagine what it would be like for anyone else given that the standard for how much you're worth is having established quotes from previous movies, which women of color mm-hmm. would never have been hired for anyway, which is something Dorina brought up as well. There's no realistic way to achieve true equity that way. Mm-hmm. I think it's very profound and intelligent statement. Mm-hmm. Makes Takes the shots that it needs to take, mm-hmm. but also says something really powerful about what's happening with people of color trying to break into the yeah. system. You can't say the system is equal if you stack the deck against people of color at times. Right. Yeah, and I mean... Everybody that is working in Hollywood, you know, we are seeing change. Yes, but, we are. Absolutely. And, and I know most of 
us, not just you guys, we're all, you know, sick of talking about this, but the reason we keep talking about it is because there's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. So as much as it's great, it doesn't matter what you look like. And as long as you're talented, you still don't get the same opportunities. And so let's keep doing that if we can. And you think something like Rich Asians, which was a fantastic opportunity, would be more aware of something like this rather than less aware. And it just shows you Hollywood is Hollywood sometimes. It's weird, like, and I don't want to get political at all, but like, there's a weird kind of of like late stage capitalism to it where it's just like the lower classes are expected to like help mm-hmm. each other to bring themselves up while the upper class doesn't have to. Right. That's it's not the responsibility of Eric Carelli <laughs> to do this. Like that like it's great that he offered, but that's not who right. like, that's not his job. And right. I'm his so job glad the, the white guy in the panel brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> but true, I mean there's they're they're planning now to go uh, uh as late as twenty twenty to start this thing, but they do want to start shooting by twenty twenty. Um and John Shoes says there's too much responsibility too much precedent from the first movie the last thing I want to do is just hit a date and release the movie he's going to say he's essentially saying they're taking their time to kind of uh, flesh this thing out there's still too much work to do our focus isn't on the timeline it's on getting the story right who knows what's going to happen now going forward will they find another female Asian screenwriter to step in and will they uh, and ironically will they offer her more than they offered Adele when she was writing on Crazy Rich Asians to step into this situation and kind of uh, uh, shepherd it through we'll see I mean maybe they'll even just Maybe try and work out another deal with with Adele Lim. Like maybe yeah. they'll actually just figure out the situation, and like that. I think that would be the best situation. But Man. yeah, but, that's yeah. another situation. That's another <laughs> aspect of this too. Real quick, could this be a bit of uh, negotiating and bargaining by Adele through the press right. to get herself paid? Which is what people are doing. Yes, I mean Disney just did it with Spider-Man. the whole Spider Man versus yeah. Sony thing, right? right? Yeah. Everybody's using the press to yeah. actually get what they want. It's yeah. all negotiation tactics, so you never know. Yeah, I'm gonna call my agent to use the press in just a second. <laughs> I, I swear to God. Well, we'll see what happens as it goes forward. You know, John Chu and all the actors apparently are all coming back. They've hit their quotas. They're paying them their money. So why wouldn't you pay uh, the uh, Asian co-screenwriter, female screenwriter on this thing to help it, uh, you know, capture the magic as it did the first time? So we'll see as it goes along. Sure, there'll be more. I'm sure there'll be more uh, updates on this story as we go along. All right. Next up on the show, we'll be discussing the new trailer for the Blumhouse remake of Black Christmas and answering some of your live chat questions, which are coming through fast and furious, according to Dorian. But first, let's do some plugs. Uh, the first plug, of course. It's for movie talk. We're coming. We're going to a new time starting soon. Perry Nemiroff, what do you got to say about that? Hey guys, it's Perry here to let you know that Movie Talk is moving. We've had a great time in this 3 p.m. Pacific slot, but guess what? We want you to start your day with Collider Movie Talk, so we're moving. 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to get a longer show with some brand new segments. So tune in starting Monday, September 16th, 9 a.m. Pacific. See you there. Oh, well, there you have it. It's coming soon, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we'll be getting that bread in the morning, getting that morning bread, the smell of that bread. You know what? There's nothing better than bread in the morning, right, Dorian? Yeah. Yeah, that fresh <laughs> bread. That's how you do it. There you go. I worked your joke in. Jesus. All right. All right. There's, there's other things to plug here as well. Uh, Collider has a, a partnership with Lionsgate right now to promote John Wick 3 coming out on Blu-ray and DVD and 4K. It's coming out, I think, September 10th. But right now, you can go to Lionsgate.com, go onto the John Wick Truth Serum. Uh, tab there they have there and you watch these four episodes of the truth serum where they explore the uh, background of the continental and the high table and see what the uh, controversy uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, nefarious stuff going on with those 
uh, people uh, involved there. Uh, in Chapter 2, there's a spoiler review dropping tonight, I think 10, 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's me and uh, 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 Christian Ruvacaba and Mark Riley talk about our thoughts on it. Chapter 2. Spoiler-filled. Spoiler-filled. And one last thing. The NFL preview is up on Collider Sports. The NFL starts today, probably within a couple of hours from what you're watching us. If you're watching us live, the NFL starts today. So me, Mark Fernandez, and Josh McCougan got together in a podcast booth and gave you our predictions for the 2019 season. You can find that on the Collider Sports YouTube channel. All right, that's enough talk for me. Let's move on. Or enough plugs, rather. Let's move on to the Black Christmas trailer. It just dropped today. It's from the Blumhouse uh, company there, uh, studios there, with uh, along with Universal Studios. Uh, this one stars Imogene Poots uh, and is directed by Sophia Takal. And uh, she is uh, Imogen is one of these uh, group of girls in the Mu Kappa Epsilon sorority who have opted to stay on campus for their senior year during the Christmas break rather than go home. Turns out that's a dicier option than braving boring family get-togethers after one of the girls, Helena, goes missing on the night of a big Christmas party. And what we see next is a girl. If we watch the trailer, it's a girl gang beatdown <laughs> on this uh, pseudo-scream type of vibe that's within this uh, trailer here. Uh, let's get your thoughts. Darina, you're the horror aficionado here. What was your feeling? I am very excited because here's the thing. We're getting reboots no matter what. We are. And I love the original Black Christmas. It was, you know, it, it was even before John Carpenter's Halloween mm-hmm. was one of the first slasher movies that we really got. Right. And it's just not as popular as, as Halloween. Yeah. Uh, it's, it also uh, had one of the first scenes where the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. So there's all of these cool, uh, you know, th- things that this movie did that was unique and original for the time. And uh, I saw the remake a few years ago uh as much as i love mary elizabeth winstead i was not a huge fan of the movie <laughs> but i'm excited about this because you know Bloomhouse is is hit or miss and and most of it is hit for me and uh image and poots i love the cast mm-hmm. i think she's great she was also in one of my favorite remakes of all time which is the fright night remake oh yeah um so i'm excited about that and i, I am not a huge fan of christmas as you guys would know but this is my kind of christmas movie <laughs> also i would actually join this sorority you would. Yes. Moo Cap Epsilon or yes. whatever it is. Only okay. if we get to do it. Just what for the opportunity to, yes, yes. to battle this person. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new approach to the Black Christmas yeah. story, uh, mm-hmm. Eric. You know, because in the first one, you know, they're all like, just scared, getting caught out, what have you. In the second one, I don't think there's this, there was this girl gang kind of mentality fighting. No. All. This feels more from of the time, of 2019, mm-hmm. getting together, banding together, sisters, sorority sisters coming together to take on uh, this uh, violent uh, criminal. What, sure. what do you think of this? Uh, well, I will also, I mean, there also seems to be some kind of higher powers that be that are kind of controlling the entire situation, right. which kind of, I guess, leads into my point, which is I'm really curious how spoilery this trailer is mm. because, right. I mean, it very well could have just revealed absolutely everything. Like, for example, like when I watched the start of that trailer and I saw Carrie... We were just discussing yeah, the, of the, this guy's last name. <laughs> Carrie Yules or Yell, Yules. I don't know. Uh, the Princess Pride guy. Um, Carrie Elwewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewewew
Blumhouse, I have a lot of confidence in them right now. They've yeah. really been on a roll. They've been fostering a lot of really fantastic talent, and they've been putting out really some really fantastic movies, specifically this year, too, even. So, like, yeah, uh, yeah I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I liked it, too. I thought it was a nice new approach to this story, having seen the original on VHS. That's how old I am, ladies and gentlemen. And I enjoyed the, the original, Libby Hussey being in the original, which is, she's so great in that. And, yeah, the, the, the remake, I wasn't a big fan of. Even though I like Trachtenberg, I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, it didn't quite do it for me. And I, you know, Perry will tell you, I'm selective about my horror. I'm not big. I don't, don't just go see all kinds of horror. I have to pick it out and see. But then this looks fun. This looks mm-hmm. interesting. A new approach to it. And I like it. It's got a good vibe. You throw in that kind of faculty or skulls vibe to it with this right. whole secret society. Mm-hmm. So you've got a sorority sisters against a secret society. Now I'm on board. you got ourselves an Avengers Infinity War situation, <laughs> Endgame situation. I'm on board with this. I like that. I think it's fun. Uh, I like the song at the end as well. So sure. it gets me going in that way. And I hope, and like you said, Eric, I agree with you. The Blumhouse stuff has been really good lately. It's kind of knocked it out of the park. Um, uh, and, you know, they just announced this, the Invisible Man stuff that's coming down with yeah. the, all these great actors like Aldous Hodge and Elizabeth Moss. So we'll see how that turns out. So they're doing a lot of good work and Halloween stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So this feels fun and different and interesting. And I hope it works because these are kinds of smaller horror films that could do good work at the box office mm-hmm. if enough people get behind it. I mean, it's also interesting that, like, if you just like compare horror, like, The Last Black Christmas came out in, I think, 2006. Was was right, right in the middle of this lud, this like glut of like especially like Platinum Dunes was yeah. putting out, out of like the Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. and, and oh, the, the Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah, 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 right. and like and all those kind of like remakes and none of them were particularly good. They all felt like real cash grabs just to like take advantage of these names. And now it weirdly seems like we've mm-hmm. kind of moved to a different place where it's like yeah. those were those were approached completely wrong headed. And so now like last year obviously we got David Gordon Green's uh, Halloween right, with right. which is another Blumhouse production with uh, John. Carpenter is a very influential force. And so I like to think that like these movies are being made with a just a tiny bit more love than yeah. those past ones were. I mean, I don't like I, I things clearly didn't go perfectly with those <laughs> uh, to that, that that era. But you know, like but I, I again like I just think that there is there there are right heads that are being that are behind these movies, yeah. right? Is that the vibe you think too? Oh yeah, I mean it is a great time to be me as a horror fan. <laughs> I think we're getting the best horror the best horror movies we've gotten in, in a while, the, the last couple of years, because I I think the the genre itself is evolving and I think that's making filmmakers actually have to come up with unique and original ideas even if they're revamping a franchise even if they're rebooting something they're still having to you know uh, connect it to modern times and if you can do that that's great we're you know ever since we got Us by Jordan Peele Midsummer by Mm -hmm. Ari Oster we're getting all of these different completely different ready or not (laughs) if we get a ready or not uh, you know influence Black Christmas I am so on board Right, right, right. Well, that's a. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, just like I, mean, I, I hate the term elevated genre. Like, I just think it's mm. crap. But what I will say, what I think people confuse that for, is people just taking the genre more seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. understanding what it has to offer, and that's where we're living now. Like, and I think that, I mean, that's something that has not only touched horror movies that has made it, that has made it evolve and turn into something fantastic, but also superhero movies as well. I mean, yeah. like, so yeah, we these are these are good times for entertainment. Like anything with <laughs> good point, Eric. Like anything with film, you can tell instinctively. Uh, who understands the genre they're working in mm-hmm. and how to bring out the joy of that genre. Mm-hmm. Like Muschietti did with the first It. It's mm-hmm. fantastic what he did with that. that. You can tell the love certain filmmakers have for a genre because they want to make it work so well and mm-hmm. do succeed most of the times when they approach it that way. All right, Black Christmas comes out in December uh, 13th of this year. And I will say that. Six, yeah. Just having a Christmas movie in December yeah. as opposed to early November, which I feel like a lot of them get dumped there like just to ride through the holiday season. Give us a Christmas movie in December. 
number. That's, yes. That seems right. That's Especially nice. Especially because for Christmas, I always wa- watch Gremlins yeah. and Batman mm. Returns. So I want to have another Christmas. There you go. Like perfect. a horror Christmas movie. Well, throw this horror log on your Christmas fire there. Yeah, nailed it. All right, that's uh, Sophia Takal, who also directed VHS, uh, uh, co-wrote this with uh, April Wolf, who some I used to read her stuff in the LA Weekly. So yeah. pretty incredible to see her co-writing this. Uh, as you said, Imogen puts Carrie Elwes, uh, Brittany O'Grady, Alice Shannon, Lily Donahue, Ben Black, and Caleb Everhart. All right, let's jump into some uh, live chat questions for you. Oh, jeez, Dorian sent a few of these. Let's see. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, Justin Dorian Rogers. getting that bread. Yeah, well, speaking of which, Justin Rogers, the first one, he asked us, do you prefer bread or rolls with your Christmas dinner? Good question. Jewish. <laughs> Fair enough. Very easy answer, yes. Oh, there you go. That's right. Why not both of them? I'll always take rolls over bread, uh, damn sure, Uh, especially if they're Hawaiian rolls. Please, they're the best. Uh, All right. Uh, Collider Franz asks, since the Queen of Darkness is on the show today, what is your favorite horror comedy for Halloween time? That's so hard. Horror My comedy. first thought is Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Because okay. I do love Edgar Wright. I think I have to go uh, Evil Dead 2. Oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, love that's that movie. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you know, well job, Eric. <laughs> I can't take both of y'all, so I will go with Bubba Hotep. Bubba that's Hotep is nice. my yeah. favorite horror comedy. They can't be beef. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> all right. Steve Calderon, thoughts on the Halloween Kills casting. Kyle Richards returning as Lindsay Wallace. Anthony Michael Hall's Tommy Doyle and announced today Robert Longstreet as Lonnie Elan. All about it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. No, like, I, like, I mean, just to go back to what you were saying, like, yep. they, this this movie, this movie is being made with just the right heads involved. The idea that you're bringing back these characters is just really just I I, I love everything about it. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Michael Hall coming back. I hope. I mean, is he a villain? Because uh, no, I don't think because yeah. I wish I, I wish he came back as the bully like we saw in Edward Scissorhands. You sure. know, <laughs> He's so great. Uh, well, that's no, no, that's not a horror comedy, is it? No. Scissorhands, no. no, that makes you cry. No, it's, it's not a super drama. funny. No, it's no, a no, romance no. drama. It's so cry. sad. Uh, Jay Scott Frio wants to know with Bradley Cooper's strong directorial debut of A Star Is Born, why haven't we heard about his or Lady Gaga's next project since? A fair question. Yeah. Um, I saw Lady Gaga dancing to The Cure on Saturday. Uh, where? <laughs> at the concert, at the Pasadena Daydream Festival. It was great. You went so, to The Cure. So that's why she was not, she's not talking about movies <laughs> she's not, because she's, she's dancing, dancing to The Cure. <laughs> she's yeah, she should because who wouldn't? Yeah, so I mean, there you go. There's so many filmmakers also, I mean, it's Bradley Cooper, I mean, who like after that kind of success wind up kind of being swallowed in it and trying to come up with something mm-hmm. too fast, right. wind up not doing something that they are really passionate about. So, you know, maybe also, that's just Also, I feel like time. after you do a project that, that that's that big and especially if it's, for him, it's like his directorial direct debut right mm-hmm. yeah. i would be like i'm taking a break right <laughs> that yeah. was exhausting right <laughs> so. well it seems that from what we got on imdb bradley is working on a biography of leonard bernstein Ooh. which which is cast he cast himself in it he is directing it and co-writing it with josh singer and carrie mulligan is cast in the film as mm-hmm. well so cool. maybe he's just taking his time to yeah. kind of like you know you know, leonard bernstein is a lot to tackle for That's god's sake story yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly and i guess so. like we is the only thing we've seen him on screen in this year being rocket and i think so yeah, yeah. So. avengers yeah, endgame yeah yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like some people that want to direct. I mean, we have the the smaller, uh, lesser known directors like Apanos Cosmatos or Anna Biller that right. they make movies, you know, in the span of like eight years, sure, and right. they, they come out with a movie like once every decade, and mm-hmm. that's just their baby, right? So, and they usually, but because of that, because they put so much work and time into it and effort, it mm-hmm. be, it becomes a great movie. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like Terrence Malick, Malick every few years, right. and apparently there's a new one. Right. They got screened up a tiff. Tiff. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love Terrence Malick. I will go his stream of consciousness insane <laughs> movies all of the time. All right, I got us. Do you have any that don't have bread? For God's sake. <laughs> Enough already. Uh, with This is from Zeno Hour. With rumors of J.J. Abrams directing a DC movie abound, what kind of bread does J.J. eat for breakfast? For God's sakes. I can't. He eats poor bread, you guys. <laughs> Pork bread is delicious. Is there lens flare bread? That's what he eats. There you go. That, that'll Shiniest be there. bread. Uh, all right. Um, let's see. Alan Payne asks, love you guys. Been watching since 2013. I'm Roka old. Shut up. Do you think we will see? <laughs> do you think we will see Anakin in episode nine? Anakin Skywalker. Maybe as a force ghost at the end with yeah. Yoda. And hopefully they have both Hayden Christensen and Anne Sebastian Shaw somehow. Oh. And just merge them into oh. one person. Wow. Uh, I mean, like, I feel, it feels like it would. They should find some way to do it. If yeah. not just because, like, this is the end of the entire nine film saga and like you should find some way to right. put them in there kind of wrap some, it all up yeah I somewhere. feel like this stop hunting for the spoilers or for the surprises <laughs> like sit back and enjoy <laughs> right. what's coming and then there'll be a, a crap ton of surprises during the movie and you'll enjoy them just as everyone else is enjoying them in the theater there's something lost lately about this communal enjoyment mm -hmm. that people yeah. uh, kind of get too obsessed with spoilers to, I get it you want to get clicks or whatever or you know do, on your own Twitter or whatever I get it but really it's better to just kind of enjoy the situation yes. and enjoy it all together because uh, it kind of brings us together to communally enjoy yeah. something yeah. absolutely right. and I think as fans uh, we sometimes because we're so passionate about uh, the, this you know art that we love yeah. we kind of become control freaks and we want to know everything and we Fair want enough. to be well-versed. But then, you guys, life is about not knowing. Yes. Right. So, so the best art is the one that shocks you. Exactly. So. I didn't know how it was going to go today on Movie Talk, but it went really well, I think. <laughs> All right, one last question. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> He's God, like, I invited Eric and Jeremy. Like, yeah, right. Who knows? <laughs> they were going to be fine. It's always me that's the X Factor. All right, uh, this is the last one from LMLP. What are your overrated and underrated movie snacks? Real quick. Ooh. Overrated, underrated. Underrated, and I'm going to piss some people off, is dark chocolate raisins with popcorn. Okay. That's pretty good. I'm Well, I'll start with under, uh, overrated, which is like popcorn in general. In general. It's like, yeah, I'm just not big. I it. agree with and you. And as a movie snack, like, it makes so much noise, and, like, and too but much of it just, like, mm. like, especially because I go to so many movies, and, like, I'm offered so much free popcorn that eventually I get to a point where I get completely sick of it, then I'll miss it for a minute, then I'll go back to it, I'm like, oh, this isn't great, and then, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> but it smells so good. It has a great smell, I will say that. Not yeah, coming out. The smell. That's the problem I have sometimes when people eat too much popcorn, and you get those body odors in the theater. Uh, oh, yeah. I agree. Popcorn overrated. Underrated to me, uh, the uh, Reese's Pieces. People don't ever talk about Reese's Pieces. I enjoy Reese's Pieces when I'm sitting in the theater. And they taste even better in your popcorn. Oh, yeah. no. I don't. Put, I do the crunch in my popcorn, the Nestle oh, Crunch. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good Because then yeah. the chocolate melts into the... If you get a hot yeah, that's, that's one thing, though, I am super anal about warm popcorn. I found as I've gotten older that if I taste the first handful that's not warm, I'm sending it back and get, waiting <laughs> really? for them to pop a new, a new amount. See, yeah. as long yeah. as mine is salty, that's all I care about. Yeah. I have no surprise. Salty Darina. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. That's a good way to end today's episode of Collider Movie Talk. I want to thank Darina and Eric Eisenberg for stopping by. Thank you both so much. Thank, thank you for having us. us. Uh, where, I think you can find you at Darina Adeniano. I am at Evil Darina there on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Eric, before the mail job starts? <laughs> uh, on Twitter at E. Eisenberg. Okay, and you write for Cinema Blend. And for Cinema Blend. Yes, yep. read his stuff. Eric's stuff is always great to read. Follow me at The Rogue Says. Thanks to Adam Smith over there for switching and for Dorian Parks uh, sending in those chat questions. And thank all of you for watching us here on Collider Movie Talk. Tomorrow we'll be back with a new episode live, Friday episode, 3 p.m. PT. Take care until then.
Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 